It's all right. Oh, we're live now. Oh, we're live. David said he could be here this week. No, his schedule was all screwed up last week. That's why you put around. Sounds like your mic's cutting in and out. Oh, is it? Oh, man. That's that's fine now. Oh, is it? Okay, good. You were coming in a little hot on the mic last week, too, but oh, I think it's better. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday, Sunday night. A little uneventful week, really. Not really. A lot of good shit to talk about, but uh, I don't know. I got a lot of good news. Uh, we'll talk about some TV. I know you watched some TV. You had to have watched at least a few episodes, but. Oh, Sandman? I actually haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh, Dude, okay, well, we'll talk a little bit about it. No spoilers, then. You can spoil so, it, it's fine. I, I recognize that I missed read that the book. book. You read the book. It's yeah, I feel like I know the, 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 the skeleton of the story, at least. No, no, no. It's, uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about Netflix a little bit deeper in the comics with some Dark Horse shit. And then lean into Mark Miller, the tragedy of Mark Miller. Uh, talk about Valiant comics, maybe some trouble at Valiant. We are going to talk about those new Batman books. I know. I said if we weren't, we're going to. Uh, and then that's making a liar out of yourself. Well, it wasn't a lot big news. Again, we're still in like the afterglow of San Diego Comic Con. There's not a lot of news. Uh, food news uh, taking us back to where we started. I will have a moment of destruction, and then top three. Solid week of comics this week. Yeah, pretty good um, stuff. Uh, old yeah. reliable X books, especially. Uh, and I wouldn't have believed it, but my number oh, a year ago, but my number one is crazy but yeah anything else dude anything else you want to add um not spend a lot of time on it but i did go see the uh league of super pets movie with my nephew oh okay well we'll talk about segment one yeah sounds good let's oh, we got a huge segment one let's do it <laughs> oh man you don't think anybody will watch that garbage. Some people will watch anything, Scarlet. It's true. Yeah, I don't know how anybody is still alive at the end of this weekend after all of the awesome that happened on TV. It was just two things, but man, they're two. Uh, thank God they made it. Uh, yeah, right. Shoot. All this entertainment can be so overwhelming. Oh, treating key. Welcome back. It's another episode of this Geek in Comics. How are degrees? A comic book. Shit talk. Shit talk show. Taylor Hour. David out. What's got going on? But I wish he'd come back. I wish he'd come back. Anyway. Uh, yeah, big show. Lots to talk about with comics. But as always, segment one. What did we do? What did we watch this week? That's nerd related. Taylor went and saw the Super Pets movie. I did. Um, went to go see it with my nephew. Um, Starring The Rock, the voice of The Rock. Yeah, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and uh, Kevin Hart were the two main characters. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, it was pretty solid. Um, it hits that nice sweet spot where it's good for the kids. My nephew really enjoyed it. But it also is entertaining for the adults. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, references to various things from the comics. And, uh, you oh, know, there, there's, like, headline jokes and, like, background jokes for you to be looking for and things like that. Um, it's not like, you know, going to blow your mind or anything, but 
It, it well, does what it, it needs yeah. to do to keep the parents entertained while they're taking their kids to go see it. You know, not every kid's movie does that, and I appreciate That's it. That's true. Later. That's true. That's true. Uh, very good. Uh, I watched Prey on Hulu. Uh, one of the best movies of the year. Perfect action movie. Uh, the fight scenes, the monster, the effects, the fucking dog. I mean, this do- there's a dog in it. He's just amazing. Or she's amazing. The dog is amazing. I didn't hear uh, that the dog steals the show. I don't know about steals the show. Hey, Andy, thanks for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, the dog is great. I don't know about stealing the show. I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't stop raving how great this was. It was just a really good Predator movie, and beyond that, a good movie. There's some whining about it, of course, with lore. And, I mean, who uh, gives a shit about Predator lore? I mean, honestly. I'm okay with people caring about Predator lore. But let's not let that get in the way. I was about to ask like where this ranks in like the Predators movies, but I was also going to mention that the vast majority of Predators movies are garbage. Uh, yes, m- most of them are. One and two are great. I have a special fondness for Alien vs. Predator, uh, which is the movie a lot of people are bringing up about how this is so out of the timeline and things like that. But again, my problem there is I don't think we know enough about Predator lore to fully understand what's going on you know what i mean they could always add to it if if i any comics have taught me anything you can always fix continuity and the best way to do it is to just add more continuity wolverine you know wolverine sucked until he didn't honestly he did he was kind of one-dimensional and they just added all these dimensions by retconning him over and over again um well yeah the original plan was like he was like an evolved actual wolverine right yeah that's dumb yeah that's dumb dude that's dumb Never too late to reinvent yourself. Yeah, so, yeah, just really a cool movie, dude. Uh, Listen to the bullies later tonight, the comic book bullies right here on this Facebook page, or go to OutrakeEakery.com to get links. They are going to go, I'm sure, way in-depth about this. But I guess I will ask that question I was going to ask then. Where do you rank it in terms of, like, the Predator movies then? I would say it's it's an easy number two, but, man, the reason it, it... it isn't going to make number one is because there's a lot of homages there to the first movie, you know, in, in just some character moments and, and things like that, that it's hard to, you know, not say that the first predator movie is not the best. Cause this movie is also kind of saying that the first predator movie is still the best. And it is, it's fucking brilliant. It stands up to this day, you know, as a, as just a cool fucking monster movie, really. You know, so yeah, I'm hoping they do another one. They definitely left it open. So, uh, but yeah, nobody should be whining about this movie unless you really just want to be upset. And why would you want to do that to yourself? You know what I mean? Don't do that. Just, yeah, I'm not saying turn your mind off and and you know enjoy it, but maybe turn it down a couple notches and and just you know don't lean so hard into it. Anyway, Sam, man. Uh, a show just as beautiful as the comic in just about every way. Uh, pretty close adaptation as far as adaptations go. Uh, Taylor, I, I consider to be a connoisseur of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Um, and it is definitely be, one of my favorites. Yeah, and he will be the first to say that while Sandman does, yes, have sort of a a narrative, uh, it doesn't in another way. Uh, each well, yeah. Issue, um, each book is kind of like thematic and has all of these focused overtones that each issue or each chapter tries to focus on. And I would say the show 
mirrors that in such a uniquely television way that, I mean, they did it. Uh, Watchmen is my favorite comic of all time. I consider it a masterpiece. The show that was on HBO really worked because it didn't try to be something else. It tried to be what the comic was just on TV and expand on that. I think this does that in the same way, and I'm really excited for you to watch it, dude. I think yeah, I'm looking that. forward to it. I think it, it, I honestly forgot that it was even coming out this week. Yeah, a lot of people did, dude. I mean, we're getting into the end of summer lull. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's filling but, in a lot of lull. Everybody's going to be talking about this. Next one thing week. that I will say looked kind of interesting in the trailer, and you can go ahead and spoil this for me if you want. They were like previewing like it's going to be this big epic confrontation between Morpheus and the uh, Corinthian. When in the comics, it's the exact opposite of that. He just shows up and, like, Corinthians like, we do battle now, Lord Dream. And he's like, no, we're not. And he just snaps his fingers and kills him. Yeah, I haven't finished it, but okay. the Corinthian has been really great in it. Everybody's been great in it. You know, I'm not going into any details because I really think that you're going to come away from this being like, all right, yeah, they did it. I couldn't. You've always said that, man. It's going to be so hard to adapt Sandman. It's going to be very difficult for them to capture that same sort of air, you know, that Sandman's got. But I really think they did it as best they can anyway. So well, I'll definitely have to get caught up on that as soon as I can. Yeah. I think I'm up to uh, episode seven. I'll probably finish it this week, though. So. It looks uh, like they're adapting um, the opening volume and then I think a game of you. No, wait, that's not a game of you. Um, uh. E- the one yeah. where like the one with, like Fiddler's Green and the Corinthian and everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think they're that. I think that's a, what they're doing too. They're kind of moving around, you know, just to make it better for a television narrative. Yeah, but, uh, I really think it's good. Yeah, hey, like what's happening? What's happening? Thanks for coming by, Chamzo. Yeah, like you were saying though, Sandman is loosely about like you know the imprisonment and ultimate downfall of Morpheus, the King of Dreams, but. That's not what makes it great. What makes it yeah. great is like the way it kind of breaks down tropes and talks about like storytelling in a very cerebral way. Yeah. And yeah, some of the best issues of it are the ones where they're just having nothing to do with anything plot related. Yeah, it's just hanging out, talking about what gaming wanted to talk about that particular issue, and this kind of feels like the same way. Yep, talking shit and talking comics. That's what we got going on. Uh, speaking of which, let's. <laughs> Uh, Sandman is on Netflix, so we're going to lean right into Netflix. Uh, There are more Netflix comic adaptations on the way uh, from Dark Horse. Uh, They have extended their partnership. Netflix and comic book publisher Dark Horse Entertainment have extended their partnership with a multi-year agreement. Uh, Now, of course, this is coming off of the heels of Umbrella Academy Season 3, which was a huge, huge deal. Uh, I preferred Season 2 a lot more. Uh, but the new arrangement um, is going to be just a lot more projects. Bang is coming. It's a stylish spy thriller being written. Uh, was written by Matt Kent and Zach Alkowitz. Um, when terrorist cult sets out to start the apocalypse with a series of novels meant to brainwash their readers, the world's most celebrated spy is sent to track down and kill the author responsible. Uh, they're also going to do Mind Management, which has already been talked about. That's a really fun project. Um, Revenge, Inc. is coming. Uh, Lady Killer has already been announced uh, with Blake Lively attached, which is really cool. They're going to do The Goon. You know, Tennessee Boy Done Good with The Goon. 
Oh yeah, like I remember years and years ago they were talking about doing a goon movie, and that just yeah, I first anywhere, but I first heard animated series, and I heard it was really gonna take off the animated series. I heard so much. Well, they had like Paul Giamatti attached to it. They even yeah. released like a like a footage like perfect concept trailer, but it just never went anywhere. So is this like the sort of Frankenstein version of that project then, or what? Uh, I'm not sure. It's well, either way, though, I think yeah, The Goon would but... definitely lend itself to a TV show a lot better than a movie. Uh, um, yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, it, uh, yeah definitely. It, a lot of the, the comic itself is usually pretty episodic. Like, they do a lot of things where, like, they advance, like, an overall arc, but a lot of the time it's just The Goon getting into some random bullshit, you know? Yeah, some random kicking some ass. I think it actually works better animated. Just here's, you know, our 45-minute animated... Oh, yeah. Like, all the yeah. characters are, like, very, very non-anatomically correct, you know? Yes, dude. They're very stylized, and, and that's half the fun with Goon, is that. Yeah. Good. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but this is the real interesting part, right? Years ago now, Mark Millar sold all of his shit to Netflix to do new stuff. We hadn't seen shit. We haven't seen nothing. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, that's all we would be talking about, right? It's like, here's another uh, movie script that Mark Millar wrote. But yeah, for the most part, this stuff hasn't really come together, except for uh, Jupiter Rising. It was it Jupiter's... What Not Ju it? Jupiter's Legacy, that's right. Yeah, Jupiter yeah. Rising was some shitty movie from like 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and that got one season, and then it was canceled. So yeah. Millar is back with a couple of new projects. Nemesis Reloaded. He's re revisiting his bad Batman character, uh, but he's bringing Jorge Jimenez with him, which is very, very nice. A Batman, you know, artist, one of the best, you know, at least in recent years in his own right. So good for him. Um, and then along with Nemesis, Miller World and Netflix have also announced a brand new comic series titled Big Game which Millar is going to create with uh, X-Men artist Pepe Larraz, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, CBR might have broken the news that Big Game will be a crossover t between several Miller World uh, projects. So, yeah, dude, that sounds really fucking cool. Um, Millar's got some good shit. American Jesus is, is fucking awesome. He's also got, um, what's on, Huck? With like his weird Superman, his Forrest Gump meets Superman. I loved that. Uh, all these things are right for adaptation on Netflix. I don't know why Netflix isn't jumping at the chance to do that. Uh, everybody forgets Mark Millar also wrote Marvel Civil War. Okay. Yeah, that was everybody how he got that. introduced to uh, such a wide audience in the first place, I think. He also wrote Old Man Logan. He did also write Old Man Logan. That was the Just one I was saying. This dude's got chops, man. This dude can write shit that really is adaptable on the screen, if that's even well, the word, adaptable. About 10 Just years ago, they were adapting his stuff. Dollars. They were adapting his stuff left and right, you know, 10 years ago between uh, uh, Kick-Ass and uh, yeah. what was the Assassin one? Wanted? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the one where they were bending bullets and shit. Yeah. Wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and those are great. I still like both of those. You know, I dig Wanted a whole lot. I fucking love that shit. It's crazy, dumb, stupid action, you know. 
Uh, and yeah, True Lemay Logan is fucking amazing. It is. The comic is so much different than the than the movie, but the movie still pulls a whole lot from there, and it wouldn't happen without It got the tone of the comic the movie did, but yeah, yeah the, the comic was basically unforgiven. Oh, for sure. In the set in post-apocalyptic Marvel. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Unforgiven's a great No, it was awesome. It was so fun. Yeah. And it gave us this big tour. There was a road trip. It had everything, dude. I mean, there's even this last year, right? They've still been trying to uh, put characters in that setting, you know? Yes. So that, that has stuck with us for quite a while. Yeah, they've milked the fuck out of that. You're absolutely right. Remember Old Man Logan came to this un- came to the 616 universe? Like the yeah, Marvel well, universe. Well, Log- well, like our Logan was dead for a few years, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, that was Jeff Lemire and Andreas Lomitino, I think, writing that book for a while. I think that was like their first project together. It was either that or Green Arrow, one or the other, but yeah. Magic come from that duo. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Valiant, uh, not to let Oni Press have all the news. Oni did have actually more layoffs announced this week, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, not today, but at another time. But uh, Bleeding Cool is reporting that a couple of big moves at Valiant that seem bad, but may end up being good. Uh, just a couple of people. Fred Pierce's Facebook status reads worked at Valiant. Uh, and they have a couple of other people who are like that. Like they changed their Facebook status to worked. Um, although. They haven't been able to get any sort of actual confirmation on any of this, which is also really fucking weird, you know? Um, But hopefully we'll have more on that. And the only reason that I even bring this up, because this is a huge rumor, but Bleeding Cool, you know, had this story. And they asked on Twitter, somebody asked Dinesh Sham Dasani, if anybody doesn't know who that is. He is the big nerd who brought Valiant back from the dead and did the movie. Uh, yeah, I think Valiant is cutting the fat. The problem there is they were bought by DMG, which is a Chinese-owned company who wanted it just to milk it for movies. Most recently, they've been digging into NFTs to try to make money, uh, and it doesn't seem to be working for them if these layoffs you know, are any indication. But Dinesh was asked, and he was like, uh, you know, every Valiant fan wants to know, and he replied, been on it all week. So he might be trying to buy Valiant at a at a cut. I don't know if anybody remembers the dude who uh, started uh, Money More from Power Rangers, Saban. Like he sold it for a shit ton of money, then ended up buying it back for next to nothing, and then brought it all the way up again and sold it again for like a shit ton of money. Money more from Power Rangers. It feels like Dinesh might sort of be doing the same thing. I wish him the best of luck. You know, Me Valiant. Too. Valiant pound for pound is probably one of the most consistent publishers, you know, in terms of quality. Well, in terms of like a comic book shared universe, they're always up there. You know, they're always in the top five, never have been out of the top five as far as I know, you know, but they need more books. They need more consistency. They have a lot of good shit going on right now. Colin Bunn is doing some horror stuff over there for him, including Shadow Man and a little side event that they're doing. Uh, But. Dinesh has that passion. Dinesh has his pulse on the, uh, you know, heartbeat of the fan base. Uh, they adore this guy. Their booth was always bumping at every convention just because Dinesh was there, and he's so excited about stuff. But another problem he's got is he's running this uh, bad idea publishing. You know, uh, I don't know. I'm sure that actually helps him a little bit because bad idea isn't really all that big. They do four or five books like a quarter, so. I don't know. Still, it's big news. We'll have more on it if anything happens, but 
I wish both the company and Dinesh good luck. You know. Yeah. I have to, however, it happens. I just hope that they come out the better for it on the other side of this. Yeah. Uh, all right, we say what we're going to talk about. There have been four new Batman books announced, uh, three series, and then that Batman Inc. book that we already knew was coming. Gotham City Year One, Tom King, Phil Hester with Eric Gopster. Uh, go back 80 years to the story of Slam Bradley, a private investigator who gets involved in the kidnapping of the heir to the Wayne Fortune years before Batman came on the scene. I think this looks really cool. Sounds all right. It sounds like a hard-boiled sort of crime thing. Slam Bradley it, is an interesting pull. He's a character that, like, does have a history in kind of like the back burner of DC's catalog. And, you know, they kind of got some Tim Sale energy with the uh, artwork here. Yeah, Hester is, is definitely got that feel. Uh, it's going to be a six-issue limited, October 4th, main cover by Hester. Uh, it's going to have a Ryan Souk and a David Marquez cover. 40 pages for five bucks. Not bad. Not bad. I'll definitely try it out. I like Tom King when he writes to shit like that. Uh, GCPD, The Blue Wall. John Ridley, one of my favorites, uh, and artist Stefano Raphael. Six Issue Limited follows Police Commissioner Renee Montoya as she tries to restore order from within, the pub- from within and public trust from without to a uh, battered Gotham City Police Department. The first issue will go on sale the 18th with a cover by Reiko Murakami. Uh, Francesco, uh, Francesco Francavilla is going to get a variant, will, uh, as well as Jorge Fornes. Uh, 32 page, four bucks, and five for the variant. So that looks cool. Yeah, um, it could be pretty solid. I mean, John Ridley's right. a great writer for sure. Yeah, could be all right. Oh, there's the blue wall. Sorry. I had the wrong cover up. I was thinking, is that yeah, like her bad. back in like her question mask from forever yeah, ago? Bad. Surely not. My bad. Okay. My bad. So that's the blue wall. You know, I had an opportunity to call you out on your you shit. I trusted you too much. I was no, like, that doesn't look like her name on Toyota. Always trust your instincts. She over. used to be the question, and I was wondering, oh, is that her wearing that? That doesn't sound like the description. Yeah, yeah that, I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, the third book, Gotham Knights, Gilded City, uh, Evan Narcisse. And Abel is the artist. It's a prequel to the Gotham Knights video game. That's really all you need to know. Five bucks for 32 pages. Uh, Greg Coppola is going to do a cover. That'll be cool. This will be cool just for the covers um, because it's all based on that video game. I mean, normally, like years ago, I would not have even given a second thought to a comic that's just like tying in with like a TV show or a video game or something. But when Tom fucking Taylor comes along and writes a comic adaptation of those Justice games... And now it's like I should at least give this a look over before I just decide on that. You, you know? are not wrong, dude. Yeah, you are not wrong. It might be a good pickup, especially if you could find a variant. It might be worth just you know to have in the in the collection. Uh, and finally, Batman Inc. We knew it was coming. One of my favorite Batman you know creations of the past. I don't know, even in the modern age, dude. I just love the idea of Batman being all international. Yeah, I love the Batman Incorporated idea idea from Grant Morrison's run. I'm glad to see that um, someone has picked that up and run with it because that was kind of shelled for a really long time. It's kind of cool to see these more obscure characters getting put back into the rotation here. And not just Ghostmaker. Uh, yeah. Batman Incorporated. You're right. Uh, and also uh, Clown Hunters in this as well. I, I love that guy. Uh, Ed Bryson and uh, John Timms. New ongoing. Uh, features Ghostmaker and the Batman Inc. team. Uh, it starts with the murder of someone close to both Ghostmaker and Batman. And the team must not only find the killer, but determine whether this is a single incident or the start of something bigger. 
October 11th, uh, Tim's main coverage is going to have a Jorge Molina variant, a Derek Chu variant, and a Jeffy, uh, Jeff Spokes variant. Four bucks, 32 pages. Very, very cool. Man, that makes like eight ongoing Batman books. Or it does. Not even ongoing. Just minis are ongoing. There's a lot, dude. I think that I think the Gotham City book is probably the top of my list of those four. But this, all of these are things I will at least consider. Yeah, like, yeah, that looks pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll try all of them, but that video game one, I just don't give a shit about the story there. I might collect yeah. the first issue, you know, just to have it if I can get it. I'm going to wait to see if I can hear any sort of reaction to that one. Oh, for sure. Going for it. But for I'll sure. probably get Blue Wall and... Uh, City or zero. Whatever Are you interested in that game at all? I mean, that's no. Well, I mean, I'm interested. It hasn't really been on my radar. I, I might check it out when it comes out. So. It's going to be delayed. I've heard it's already delayed, but I am very anxious to ah. see it. So yeah. Actually, here's another one of those uh, Batman books. Oh, I guess I already showed that one. Tom King one. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm definitely getting that one for sure. The Tom King one, but the other ones I'm not sure. But well, Batman Inc. for sure. Um, and I love the whole the creative team. Last bit of news, Three Worlds, Three Moons will be printed. Uh, John Hickman, his collaborators, his Substack project, that's weird. Hundreds and thousands of years of history that him and his buddies are creating. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. It hasn't been picked up yet, but he is hoping that it's going to be picked up. They're shopping it to comic book and regular comic you know, book publishers to see, if, to see what deal is going to work best for them. I mean, I'm definitely uh, interested here. I mean, yeah. I want a copy. We were talking about the big, like, substack critical mass that was building up. Hickman and this title were probably, like, the the, the point of the spear on that, right? This is the thing that yes. most people would be the most excited for. Yeah, for sure. And that's not to say that Donny Cates' projects on there aren't cool. That I'm not trying to say that, but, like, yeah, Hickman is, cool. like, especially for, like, us people in our circle, it seems... Hickman is the guy right now, you know? Yeah. Like, he has been knocking it out of the park with his X-Men stuff, and then he knocked it out of the park with his Avengers stuff. He knocked it out of the park with the Fantastic Four stuff. You know, he's been... I think that's, I think that's yeah. a big part. I think that's a big part of it, right? Because, yeah, he knocked it out of the park with Avengers, ending with Secret Wars 2015, and then was out of the game for five years, right? And then came back and just hit it on X-Men and it's like, all right, surprise, I'm out at X-Men. I mean, yeah, we're talking like, like every, thing, bro. yeah, we're talking every week about like how many of the X books are on our list this week, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, Frank, thanks for No, it's not Fiona Staples. That's, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Del Mundo. Mike Del Mundo with uh, Mike Huddleston. Uh, the, he also has editor Steve Wacker working with him. So, I mean, this dude, he, he's built himself a little empire going on you know, overhead substack, and he's definitely got shit going in the right direction. Um, but I mean, you look at everybody else who's having success with substack. Tiny went from writing Batman to bam, going into there, you know, all of these folks had big success at the big two and then were able to do their substack. So I think it sucks that that's kind of still the way you have to get in to, to be in the most popular houses, but I don't see that change. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of, not just comics, but like any medium, right? Like you're going right. to inherently get more exposure when you're working for the biggest names in that field. Right. And, and with that said, I don't see Substack bringing anybody to the top. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to be able to use Substack. It seems more like a landing pad for comic writers who have already made their name unless a vehicle for making your name. Yeah, exactly. 
cool. But hey, I don't, I don't begrudge these big writers having a way to cash in. I mean, good for them, honestly. Yeah, they're making money every month on the month without having to sell anything. Just to write a fucking newsletter every few days. It's perfect. Release some pages, you know, show some process videos or something. Yeah, I mean, living the dream, honestly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, she, uh, literally, for like two weeks, uh, there was nothing on anybody's shit but, hey, I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con, I'm going to comic So really, promoting themselves is also content for their Substack, which, you know, whatever. Uh, let's do food. Mmm, yummy. This is why we started Food News, is this story right here, and it's back. The Mexican pizza will be back permanently on September 15th. If you'll remember a couple of years ago, they got rid of it because it was causing too much waste. Well, I guess they fixed that problem. Not really. I hope so. I hope it's not just them, like, but, you know, I guess I get that they're running a business, and this is a popular food item, but yeah, I hope they did actually fix it. But, yeah, people are losing their shit over the Mexican pizza being back. Man, there's a rumor that one location in California sold 1,000 Mexican pizzas in a single day. Cheapers. In a single day. So, yeah, they ran out of shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do food news. Yeah, we do food news every every week, man. They're usually every disgusting, week. but this one yeah. is actually not so bad by our standards. Well, no, Mexican pizzas are still disgusting. They are on the lower ring of the food chain. Um, they're gross, but man, I love them so much. They're so delicious. Mm. I, I mean, it is from Taco Bell. It was always exactly. going to be gross. Exactly. Uh, let's do a quick uh, moment of distraction. <laughs> This one's a little weird. No action figures this week. No comics, really. It's more about news from James Roberts, who is the writer who did More Than Meets the Eye, my favorite Transformers series of all time. But he is going to be publishing in two volumes his notebook that he kept while writing More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, and... It's sort of like all the notes and the panels, layouts, and some breakdowns and stuff like that. Yeah, so this is kind of like a, a behind-the-scenes feature on, like, a DVD, I guess. Yeah, dude, look. He's including, like, this sort of shit and notes that he wrote on receipts. You know what I mean? Just having an idea and be like, oh, I got to write that down. Just really interesting look into the mind of a creator of a fucking story that I still go back to. You know, I still find myself going back to that run all the time. If I'm just sitting around not having shit to do or sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I'll just pull up a couple of uh, of my favorite issues of that. And yeah, I need a gr grumpy character. Gears, question mark. I mean, dude, that's just so dumb and stupid i love it i cannot fucking wait to get my hands on that so yeah usually no moment of destruction but i had to do that one so uh awesome man <laughs> it's been a quick show top three we're here news this week was light but comics were good a lot of good books uh i'll go first uh Again, there were a few great ones, but a whole lot of good ones. Uh, I could throw out an honorable mention for a whole lot of different books, but I'm going to give a shout out. Well, to we got you. plenty of time. Might as well just like spin them uh, off. I didn't even I didn't even jot a lot of them down. Like Scumbag was dope. Shazam was pretty fun. The Spider Verse book was surprisingly interesting. Uh, what else was on my list, man? Uh, I don't think I grabbed anything else. Oh, the Demon War book was pretty fun. Uh, yeah, dude, a lot of good books, but my honorable mention, Twig. Uh, number four, Scotty Young, Kyle Stram. It's an all-ages fantasy adventure comic with quirky 
fun protagonist. You know, he's on this impossible mission through this fantasy world with amazing, lovable cast of characters. Yeah, we were uh, talking when this uh, preview was coming out. It's got that bone energy. Yeah, it's got that bone energy, really vibrant animation in this, you know, and that's what it feels like. It feels like shit is moving. It feels like this is really just a big commercial for an animated show that they want to do, and it would really make for a good animated show. Uh, there's only one issue with that left, so I did want to, you know, let everybody know, but uh, I really think we're going to have a lot of crossover. My number three, X-Men Red, number five. This is my number one this week. Al Ewing, Stefano Caselli, uh, fantastic issue. We literally get to see what we saw a brief moment of in the uh, Axe number one. I love the way that 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 we got the order here, right? Like, I loved how, like, nice. in um, in Judgment itself, we see that Irano shows up, and then we just see the aftermath. Like, he has wrecked shit. We don't see any of what he actually does. But then I also did really love them taking us into here and which this is the perfect place to do it of course because this is the mars book and that was him wrecking mars and so yeah yeah, this whole fight not just with the uh the great ring here but with like all of mars and like little tidbits right like we see my favorite new character fisher king like he's like oh shit am i gonna have to fuck a bitch you know yeah yeah and i'm anxious to see him do it we knew we knew it was leading up whenever anybody says they're a pacifist in a book where fighty fight is the main thing, you know, they're going to fight. But uh, classic Iska, uh, that's Iska's really only move, not being actually unbeatable, but just switching sides when it's the most Yeah, like Iska is an interesting power set here, and I like the way they're playing with nice it because, like, nice. yeah. But, like, when she is on your side, she's enormous asset, but when the second things go bad for you, she is your biggest liability. Yeah, but she's also very telling. You know, it's like yeah. you can't switch sides to the end or they or you know, you have to change your strategy fucking completely. Well, yeah, that's a good way. That's a, the one thing I really liked about this issue. That was a great way to um, start this off, because like we know from past experience that once Iska has switched sides, it's basically already over. Yeah. You know that you're fucked. And that's the way they started this issue was with her like switching over to Uranus's side. Yeah, it was also fun, like, the countdown starting at, like, one minute, and it's like, uh-oh, wow, you know, he really was able to uh, build up where he was going very early and still use as many pages as he wanted to do it, but it made everything really exciting, even though, actually, it was kind of drawn out that first minute, but the way it counted down was really cool. Yeah, um, in several different ways, we knew all along exactly what was going to happen in this exactly. issue, but it was still exactly. really cool to see the the blow-by-blow. It's really cool to see everybody, like, step up just to get smacked down. It really sells Uranos as, like, this huge threat. Oh, big you know? jobber moment. Yeah, big jobber moment here. You know, he's the guy now. You know, he's the one. Uh, I don't know how the hell this this works. Lacutus or whatever. I don't know, but I think it is pretty... Re- I like how it was this instead of what you were saying, right? Oh, yeah, they were just Maybe he does still have, like, a backup, like, somewhere where he can get resurrected again. But I love... This is such an yeah. awesome fucking moment. He's somehow keeping his chest from, like, imploding. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. he's missing his goddamn heart. Right. This was a well, really cool stinger to end on. Yeah, well, and then there's also there's a lot of a lot of other shit going on here, right? So, I mean, Magneto is pissed. He's not even really Magneto now. He's Lacuta or whatever, Lacuna Coil. I don't even know. Anyway, 
so he's going to go all Magneto on Earth. And that's just going to up the ante. And that's how the Avengers are going to get in. So the story is escalating. And that's really cool. That is very fun. You can see the story escalating as each of these tie-in issues go on. And that is very fun. But it also changes the politics now. Because how many are dead on Arako? You know, Uranus has killed millions of people is what I'm yeah. saying here. Hundreds of thousands. Lots of people. So are they going to be resurrected? Are they going to be moved to Krakoa? Is Mars now the project Mars? Is that now over? Is Orcus now take that over? What? Well, you know what I mean? It really asks, opens up a lot of questions. What, well, like getting out like the, this under the rug. Yeah, like getting like the, this could be a good opportunity for them to really tell some cool stories here. Like getting out like the corkboard and uh, strings here. Yeah. This could set up like Orcus sees an opportunity, you know, to strike them while they're down. Exactly. In the long term, this might even mean like the Arakans are now set up in a conflict with the Krakoans, right? Because they're like in this desperate situation all of a sudden. I Whereas mean, before they were perfectly okay to chill out on Mars, it seems, but now it's like, oh shit, we're back to war now. Right, exactly. And if that does happen and the Krakoans have to come and live on, or the Iraqis have to come live on Krakoa, then. I mean, they're going to want seats on the council. They're going to want their own representation. Then it's going to mix everything up. Rogue will be, or uh, Storm will be back into the mix of everything. And that sucks, her not being in this, you know. Uh, last thing on this, I love how at the beginning there's a note. And it says, events in this issue are also referenced in Judgment Day number one. But then it also says, Legion of X number six. And they totally glossed over. The fight between Uranus and Legion. They just had Uranus. I assume that's going to be in the uh, Legion of X stuff. I am but. so stoked because they show Uranus and Legion like facing off. And Uranus is just talking him up. You know, oh, this is like mutant royalty. Let's do it. You know, he's probably the most powerful, you know, being on the planet. Yeah. And then like the timer goes and it was like, what, two, three minutes or something like that. And he's like, Uranus is back. What up, bitches? Like, oh, what happened? I cannot wait to see what happened in that fight. It's going to be so damn good. Yeah, they're really uh, doing a great job wetting our appetite for that one. Yeah, yes. And that's how you push an event. I really think that's a really good idea to push an event. I mean, the Legion itself, the Legion book itself has been kind of humdrum, but no, no, that I'm, de was shit this week. I'm definitely was picking shit. up issue number six, though, because I want to see that fight. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's my honorable mentions, number three, Taylor. That was also Taylor's number one. He'll mention that was my number one, yeah. yeah. Well, we already talked about it, but uh, I guess I'll do an honorable mention for Dark Crisis, which I'm enjoying, I, but I wish the crisis would start, you know? That's actually my number two. Okay, well, we can talk about it then. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. i also do an honorable mention for Peach Momoko's uh, Demon Wars. Um, this is just an opportunity to look at some of that gorgeous Peach Momoko art, especially when she's drawing, like, all these, like, esoteric creatures, right? Like, haunting uh, Mirako as she's kind of walking around. Um, it is kind of cool to see her different takes on the different Marvel characters, like... Um, Captain America only there was not in this issue, but the Iron Man one was. That was cool to see. Yeah, and I love that too. Everything is still inherently rooted in Marvel, but also has one foot in like her culture, and it's, it's yeah, it really comes out in this great way. I'm not sure anybody else is really doing work like that. You know? Yeah, it's it's a great spin on an old classic, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one last honorable mention for the Batman book this week, number uh, one twenty six. Um, well, I'm going to talk about that book, too. Okay, I'll leave that to you, then. But um, number three this week is Immortal X-Men, number uh, five. Good choice. 
This was basically um, the Exodus. Exodus yeah, Exodus, this is your life. Yeah. Um, for They have barely talked about Exodus throughout all the X-Books so far, you know? He has been this background character in a lot of ways. We see him show up in a lot of places. Like, he's always telling the stories to the kids to, like, kind of, like, seep them in mutant culture. And he's been doing that since Hawks and Pox. He has, yeah. Really early on. Really early on. So it is kind of cool to get to see him uh, have his own chance to shine. I also love this whole psychic manifestation battle that he has going on here. That was such a cool sequence where, like, this is how he does psychic battle, right? Yeah, it was really rad, dude. Uh, This whole issue really came together quite well in terms of looking at Exodus's point of view into everything. Yeah. Um, um, really where he's coming from as a member of the Quiet Council. Yeah, Kieran Gillen has been doing a good job of that with this um, this particular book so far, right? Because, like, we see when Hope joins the Council, Exodus is all about that. Because, yeah, like, he is all about, like, this grand cosmology of, like, mutant messiahs and things like that. Yeah. But I think this issue really put over... Like, I knew who Exodus was. I got his whole shtick, you know, where he's... He is kind of like the Old Testament version of the way Nightcrawler spirituality works. You know what I mean? It's more refined. It's more honorable. It's Nightcrawler is always trying to fit in with modern society. Yeah, like don't give a fuck. He that's a good way of framing it, right? He's a yeah. Nightcrawler who fully embraces everything being black and white instead of Nightcrawler yes. trying to like reconcile his faith with like the complexities in the modern world. Exodus don't get a shit about the complexities in the modern world. He is here to slay dragons, to prop up messiahs, and do all that Old Testament shit. Yes. Uh, It's almost like Nightcrawler's faith almost gets in his way of living his life. Exodus doesn't allow anything to get in the way of his faith running his life. You know what I mean? And it's not even a problem for him. If anything, Exodus feels guilty because he's not doing it enough. Even though he is. Yeah, this was a really cool look at a character who hasn't gotten a lot of time in the limelight so far. Again, you may bring up that point. This cements why Exodus is even on the Quiet Council to begin with. Not only is he a badass, powerful mutant, but his point of view, the way he is centered on his view of everything is a really important outlook that I think almost helps balance. Yeah, we're always talking about... In a really weird way. Yeah, we're always talking about how much we love the politicking of the Krakoan status quo. And that's a great thing about this book that you bring up there, that, like, the different perspectives of the people on the Quiet Council, especially, like, you know, all these mutants who are, like, thousands of years old, and the ones that can see into the future, and the ones that, like, have seen, like, live through an apocalypse and shit like that. And this was a great example of that here. Yeah. So, yeah, great issue. Loved it. If it wasn't for the DC books I'm about to talk about, it probably would have made my list. Uh, But my number two this week is Dark Crisis number three. Pardon me, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number three. Joshua Williamson, Daniel Sanford. Oh, my God. Are they going to switch over to that before the series is done? I think so. Oh, I love the Justice Society showing up. This shit was fucking epic. This was giving me flashbacks to that Jeff Johns Justice Society run, which I fucking love that. This made me want to go back and reread that. Yeah. I mean, it was a little all over the place, but... It was. Williamson's got a lot going on in this event, and I can see him, in this issue especially, 
pulling on these threads and sort of intertwining them in a way where you can actually see him almost in real time working these things that don't seem like they're ever going to make sense together and have them make sense. And I'm really excited to see that happen. Sam Pierre is just killing on the art, you know, the fucking Deathstroke's off the fucking chain. Deathstroke is all possessed by some darkness. Uh, you can't trust some... anyone when they shave to a mohawk, man. This is the, yep. the number That's one right. sign that, you know, you need <laughs> to walk right. away. That's right. Uh, this feels, this just feels, the way that they're doing this, the art, the approach, everything, it feels big. You know what I mean? It feels really big. And that's really hard to do nowadays. Even now, uh, the Judgment Day event that's going on, it doesn't feel any bigger than the X-Men have already felt for the quite some time. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that feels big. The main reason this big. was an honorable mention for me is it feels like we're still building up to the crisis part of this crisis Oh, we definitely book. are. They're talking about it in the books. Deathstroke's like, oh, I think I could do a crisis. Deathstroke, he literally says at one point, oh, you know what? I think I can do a crisis. He says it right yeah, here. Yeah, basically. Says, I think I know how to start a crisis. And his daughter's like, uh, what? Why would you want to do that, Dad? Uh, so, yeah, he's all fucked up in the head. Uh, Dick in this, Nightwing in this, all fucking pissed off because, you know, Beast Boy got blasted, even though he is going to make it. Uh, everybody just going wild. Deathstroke's wild shit of just sending in no-name bad guys just to kick ass is fucking great. The Green Lantern's doing their thing. And then, I mean, what happens here? Blown away. And then he's on Planet John Stewart, which is Pariah's whole deal. Right, that's what we learned in this issue. Pariah wants to take the original Justice League members and basically turn them into universes. Yeah. Why do you say it with that tone? Does that not sound cool? I mean, it sounds cool, but I, I'm still not entirely sure what he means by that. Yeah, well, I mean, he's kind of alluding to it here. A little sure, bit. sure. This has been a great setup for something that seems like it's going to be really cool, but we are like halfway through this now, so I feel like we're running out of time to yeah. do the cool part. Well, it's seven It's seven issues. Yeah, and this was three, but, so we're halfway through, yeah, roughly. You're not wrong, but, I mean, maybe this, oh, is this a bait and switch, like Trinity War? I, I don't gonna, think so. But is this going to lead into something else that's going to last all next year? I am anxious for the hook to drop, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, isn't that also classic DC to give you an event where, nope, now everything is going to be changed for a year? 52, you know, they've done it to us before, where after a crisis, shit was irrevocably changed for at least a period of time. I mean, why call it Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth if it's not going to lead to something huge? The original crisis when we were out of there, dude, the whole universe was totally changed. It was huge, too. For oh, yeah, I mean, Barry Allen was dead for, like, 20 years after that first crisis. I mean, that's what we're looking at here. Is that what we're looking at here? And I did really enjoy 52 after Infinite Crisis. See? See? I'm just saying. They did a lot of things before. Why would they... That's the only big news that came out of any of the convention shit for DC is that their event, Dark Crisis, was actually a direct sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earth. Or... Uh, yeah, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth, you know, whatever. Why? Why? Why not do something big? You got to. So that's why. Maybe, I'm not writing this thing off. I'm just saying, you know, that, like, yeah. I need to see if they stick the landing before, like, yeah. you know, anything else. 
Uh, am I picking up any more tie-ins? Nope. I don't think so. Nah. Like, they even mentioned, like, that Young Justice tie-in, but I'm not going to read yeah, that. they mentioned it in here. Oh, the Young Justice is missing. And they're all standing around. Oh, you know, did you hear Young Justice missing? They're like, oh, yeah, those those teenagers? Wow. I bet they're having what? some exciting adventures, you know? I'm find Young Justice, guys. What are you guys doing? But, yeah, Dark Crisis number three. Uh, I'm loving the events right now going on at the big two. So, bring it on. Bring it on. Taylor. All right, so my number two was that uh, one of your uh, quick mentions there. It's the new champion of Shazam, number one. Nice, nice. I, I chose the Middleton cover. Well, you can't go wrong. All the covers are really good. Um, I've got the just the uh, plain Jane, uh, Doc Shaner cover, but the main reason this makes my number two is that Doc Shaner art. I mean, he. Yeah. it's a really good fit for the character. It's also just, you know, objectively gorgeous artwork. But I think they did a really great job with the setup in this issue, you know? Like, we get to see Mary, like, off living her life. We, um... I actually had been tuned out of the Shazam family antics for a while, so I didn't even know all this stuff about, like, Billy going missing and stuff. But, um... Yeah. I think that they did a good job, like, kind of injecting us into... She's going through, like, a big milestone in her life, you know? She is going off to college, you know, trying to be a new person, invent her new self. But then, like this fucking magic rabbit is, like, trying to draw her back into her old life just as it's getting started with the new life. And so I think that's a really clever way to tell, like, this kind of coming-of-age story and about being, like, you know, pulled in different directions. And we got some, you know, there's, like, one fight scene in here, and this guy she was fighting had no chance against her, but yeah. it's he still made... Weird arms. Yeah. It's still made for, like, a really cool action sequence, and again, the artwork in here from cover to cover is just great shit. Yeah, 100% on the art. Doc Shaner is one of the best. He's amazing. I loved everything about the art. The story was a little bit too, I don't want to say trope because the world runs off tropes, but it's like I've seen this Every movie book a thousand has times. It's like I've seen this movie a thousand times. You know, girl goes off to college and has to grow up, like fish out of water kind of, but, you know, girl and not, girl, girl meets rabbit. I'm just saying. I'm not going to dispute um, that. That is definitely like a very tropey setup. But execution is always most important, right? I feel like they well, executed it sure, well here. For sure. I think so, too. I think so, too. I was a little let down by there only being one fight. But I did get it. It also felt like it really wasn't written towards me. And that's not a, a bash on the book at all, either. It doesn't matter. You know, I can still say it was good art and it was good writing. And it was. It was a fantastic book. Just no. Just a book that's not really for me. Uh, I was also really surprised that with the Shazam movie, just getting another trailer, just, you know, coming in. It's this year, later this year. Where is yep. our current Shazam book? I mean, are they really going to push Mary Marvel in the Shazam movie this much? I mean, I know they are. but That is much. interesting, but... Because this book will definitely fly with a young adult. Man, we didn't even talk about it, but, like, who the fuck knows what Warner Brothers is trying to do at this point, you know? I mean... I mean, I don't know why anyone would expect anything less from a company that locked the Warner Brothers and their sister Dot in a water tower for decades. I saw that. That was pretty funny, yeah. Fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, so that was your number two. Good choice. Uh, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's number one. Uh, uh, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd have never thought I'd say it. Batman number 126 by Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez. Uh, there's a backup story with Catwoman in there by Belen Ortega. Not really my cup of tea, but finally... Fucking finally, Batman is back. I like my Batman when he's getting his ass kicked. I like my Batman when his little kid friends are getting his, their asses kicked because of Batman. I love it when Batman does something that 
blows up in his fucking face. That is the best Batman for me. And all of this is exactly what happened in this book. And it was all spotlighted with this great art, kinetic, just moving throughout the pages. And yeah, then we get the Batman of Zuran. That was a deep pull that they're making. Dude, that's like a dude, so many people have done that. Morrison I saw Morrison do it, but Morrison always like yeah. pulls the most obscure shit you can find. Yeah. So I don't know if you know who this Batman is. It was rumored that it was like an alien scientist, but in later it was revealed that it was actually a violent alter personality of Yeah. Brain. I don't know if this was yeah, the original take, but I remember Morrison's take on the character is that this is like a hey, an entirely separate persona that Bruce Wayne kind of like programmed into his own subconscious. Good night, Andy. Yeah, good night, bro. Have a good night, dude. Thanks for stopping by as always, man. Which apparently he needs to take over here now because, like, he recognizes that this bat bot here just completely has his number. Oh, dude, yeah. I love watching Batman get his ass kicked, and he just does so much, and it's so great. And then he's worried about his friends, and then they get their asses kicked, and then he pulls out this. And at the end, I'm like, like a little snicker, like, okay. But then I got a look, and I was like, man, that is the most fun I have had with a Batman book in forever. And honestly, Batman been hard for too long. He can still be hard and be fun. He ain't been fun in forever. Dude. Yeah, I mean, some of the classic Batman stories, like there's like this swashbuckling air to him, you know, the old like Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff. Yeah, man. But yeah. Yeah, I, I'd also like the character work they're doing here, where, like, this is a Batman who has retreated into, you know, just, I don't need anyone. Get out of my way. You're only holding me. When, like, you know, what we understand, right? That, I'm Batman. Well, yeah, but we understand that this is because he's just at his most scared and vulnerable at the moment, right? Alfred's dead. Damien apparently has, like, fucked off. And yeah, he's just scared to death of losing any more of his lost uh, child soldiers. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which incidentally, he got up like immediately, so that's really nothing that amounted Gotham. to that last issue. If you got healthcare, Gotham is a great city for that. Evidently, yeah. If I mean, it, Batman came back from a broken from a broken back, and like who knows how many times all the Bat family has been shot up, you know. People always see that, oh, man, if you got paid this much, would you move to Gotham? I'm like, well, yeah, man, Gotham got great health insurance. You know, Gotham got great hospitals. Obviously, they putting everybody together. Uh, anyway, yeah, dude, I had so much fun with this book, and I'm so happy that, that Batman is fun again. The first issue Chip did, 125, was more of like a lean-in issue for him. You know, kind of getting his bearings, giving the audience bearings as they came in. Um, but this issue, yeah, from start to finish, just knock your fucking socks off just action and batman just being big fun and dumb and i love it i love it all right taylor oh your number one was yeah, number one we already said yeah it was x-men red uh yeah, number five fantastic issue it was really just one big fight but it was a hell of a one big fight you know yeah. they did a great job establishing why iranos in particular and the eternals more generally are indeed a pretty daunting opponent here yeah, this whole thing, I heard, what's his name from the WWE, you know, the announcer, Uranus is, oh, it's Uranus with the steel chair. Oh, it's Uranus. Like coming down from the top rope yeah, and all this other literally shit. Literally, Cable shot him for three minutes with a gun, and Uranus just stood there and, like, laughed about him. You know, it was like that tickled. Like a gun that yeah. was banned by the galactic something or, or other. Yeah. But 
Yeah, fantastic issue. It really sets up uh, an event that's been awfully slow. You talk about Dark Crisis being fucking slow. Uh, Axe has been kind of slow, dude. Uh, it's been like on the one side. issue? Well, it's been one issue, but three tie-ins. Oh, I guess I haven't read any of the tie-ins. Well, no, this was a tie-in. Other than read, this. You know, I mean, you have to count Red as that book. It's literally going... Oh, absolutely. Read. This is... Yeah. A hundred percent part of the, you know, event. But in in that same context, I wouldn't count any of the Dark Crisis tie-ins that we've gotten so far. They haven't added shit to what's actually going on in Dark Crisis at all. They've barely been about what's going on. In this is probably required reading for the um, Judgment event. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent, without a doubt. This, if you enjoyed that Judgment. Uh, book at all that first one you have to read this red book because it tells you everything that happened while you were this was the way doing what doing yeah whatever but we got some good books this week we're gonna have plenty of them next week too uh thanks for listening everybody if you want to learn about those books next week come back tomorrow we're going to be doing another show uh talking about all of the new books coming out david should be back by then that's going to be fun uh we mentioned it earlier but please check out the bullies uh our pals, Leroy and Eli, uh, just talking pop culture, including comics. Uh, go to outrightgeeker.com for all their links, but they will be on uh, this Facebook channel tonight. They are going to go, I'm sure, balls deep into Prey because, yeah, they're going to go way into that. I know Eli just had a good time with it. He's watched it like three or four times. There's a Comanche dub of this, Taylor, where you can listen to it in Comanche. That's pretty cool. It is very fucking rad, dude. Uh, the uh, I think her name's Amanda Midthunder. Maybe it's not Amanda. It's Midthunder though. Her is the actress. She uh, like knows Comanche. Like when she went into uh, whatever for the what do you do? You rehearse. What do you do? audition? Audition. When you audition, she auditioned in English and Comanche, which is just like what? That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. They're gonna go knees deep into it. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be back again tomorrow. Again, thanks for hanging out, everybody. But most of all, thanks to this guy for hanging out with this guy. Someone had to do it. Yeah, someone had to do it. Nobody <laughs> else fucking showed up. Somebody had to hang out with me. I'll take that hit for the team. We're going to do it again next time. Same geek time, same geek channel. Yeah, you should go watch Trey right now or go watch it. I'll probably go on Sandman first. Each one episode, yeah. Yeah. Because, dude, you'll be one episode in and you'll be like, oh, yeah.